Second and victory. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Second and Victory podcast. Hope you all are enjoying yourselves, wherever you're listening tonight, powered by Broadway Sports Media. Got a special guest on tonight, co-worker of mine here at 104.5 The Zone. But first off, got to introduce my two co-hosts, Chris Carter and Austin Nelson. What's up, my dogs? How y'all doing? How's it going, man? Great, man. How are you? Doing fantastic. We got a good guest on tonight, too. He is the executive producer of the Buck Rising Show and Blandon Mickey, co-host of the Ultimate Tennessee podcast with Will Bowling. Uh, soccer show on 104.5 The Zone. Does, does it all. Play-by-play, basketball, football. Does it all. Lucas Panzica. What's up, my guy? How you doing? I'm good, man. Appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. be a lot of fun. We got a lot to talk about. I know Austin... You got the complete rundown, too. So, I mean, I, let's just jump right into it. Yeah, we'll start off. Um, so, you know, obviously free agency is about to pop off for the league, the NFL, and uh, some 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 big moves the Titans will have to make um, this offseason, majorly on the uh, offensive side of the ball. And so we're going to do this with – kind of play a little game, go around the horn. And this is no money involved whatsoever, but I want to hear y'all's take on three free agent signings that you would want the Titans to sign uh, this offseason. Uh, let's just start. I'll start with the easy one. Or anybody, uh, yeah. Yeah, anybody. De- Devontae Adams uh, is, is another one. <laughs> Chris is going for it. I wouldn't expect if, that. If money's, money's not an issue. <laughs> maybe money should be involved um, in. Yeah, maybe it should. Um, I, you know, the next thing I, th- I think we got to really shore up that that offensive line, and obviously there's a lot of question marks with with Lewan salary and Saffold salary and Ben Jones being a free agent, uh, and then obviously the you want to try to upgrade that right tackle position. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy um, named Teron Armstead from New or- the New Orleans Saints. This is really I think that's a guy that helps short. Yeah, I told you, man. I'm going all the way. <laughs> this is a guy that you have, you invest that money in that you're you know from from Lawan and and Saffold, um, and then I'm going to go for one more guy, um, and it's uh, it's a guy I actually heard Brett Bryan uh, mention this week, and it's David Njoku. Uh, really think he's he's been misused, uh, and, and would love to see what he could do in an offense dedicated uh, with a, with a dedicated role, um, and. You know that tight end position is one we really gotta try to try to see upgrades at this this off season. So that's what I would go with. I think Lucas's uh, fire alarm just went off. Yeah, hang on, guys. All right, sounds good. Uh, we'll keep rolling, Chris. Um, yeah, I'm kind of there right there with you. I uh, I went David and Joku, and I I went more realistic because I kind of put money involved in this, and I know I told you that money wasn't involved, but. You did tell me that going I didn't into this, I was told money wasn't big. I know, I, I did say this. I really didn't think. I thought you'd go more more realistic, but whatever. This is part of the game. You're right. I think Devontae Adams obviously is number one. Uh, could you imagine Devontae Adams and A.J. Brown on the same team with Julio Jones? Yeah. It'd be stupid. It'd be crazy. You know what? Um, I, I do think I, – I will say, I do think – I mean, I think big money could be invested in offensive line. Uh, especially, like I said, if, if Luan and Saffold are, are moved on from, 
Uh, so I'm going to keep Teron Armstead. Let's replace Devontae Adams with a guy who I think could become a free agent, and that's Jarvis Landry. I like that move, too. I think that makes a lot of yeah. sense. Um, former uh, wide receiver of Ryan Tannehill down in Miami uh, back in the day. And I, I, I saw some stuff on Twitter, people saying that they uh, they have a bad relationship. That's kind of the reason why uh, Jarvis wanted out of Miami. I don't remember all that um, happening. Uh, but I kind of went on the same same thing as you. I said David Njoku as well. Um, Spotrack has him at Spotrack has him at a six point five million dollar market value, which I think that's that's a game changer if you can get a guy like that. Like you said, Chris, he's got he's so young as well, and just a stud coming out of Miami. Um, so I like that as well. I went um, Juju Smith Schuster as well. Um, I think he's a guy that you know, he was banged up um, most of all last season. Um, but if you can get him on, on a cheaper deal, um, a proven deal almost, I would love to have him as you know your your slot guy because um, the whole you know remember the whole he can, he can play outside too. Sure, um, I, I think we all hoped Josh Reynolds had been that guy last year, and that did not work out like anybody thought. So this is a much better uh, Josh Reynolds. And then I went on the defensive side, surprisingly, because we don't know what's going to happen with Jack Rabbit Jenkins. Um, you know, does, does Buster Screen come back? There's some guys in secondary depth that you're not certain about. But you also have hope that Caleb Farley is your starter um, as your CB2 uh, for next season. But if he's not, what about a guy like Casey Hayward Jr.? Uh, coming down like a one-year deal. Um, it's me being biased with my Vanderbilt fandom. Um, but I think he's a guy that still has a lot of lot of left in him. Uh, so I went Njoku, Smith-Schuster, and then Casey Hayward. Lucas, who you got, man? Yeah, sorry about that, guys. I don't know what happened there. Everything uh, good? You live? Yeah, <laughs> we're good. House is not burning down. I, I, I'm glad <laughs> it, it didn't happen in the middle of whatever take I was about to spew, like Nick Casario, <laughs> Houston Texan style, uh, during their press conference. <laughs> Uh, introduce, introducing <laughs> Lovey Smith, but uh, yeah, sorry about that. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I think about keeping it in house first things first, you know, uh, with Harold Landry, that's obviously dominated a large part of the conversation so far this off season with the window for the franchise tag being open. Uh, I, I think you keep Harold Landry. I think you run it back with, with, with these edge rushers and this defense as much as you possibly can with Maybe uh, in the secondary, I heard you talking about bringing in some experience to maybe uh, supplement that role that Jackrabbit had filled. And he played pretty well down the stretch. But, yeah, I, I'd agree with you. I think they, they would want to move on from him. But I think they'd want to trend younger there with the guys currently on the roster. And I think they'd be really happy with the Christian Fulton-Caleb Farley tandem at corner. So I, 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 would, I would stick with in-house first, talking about keeping Harold Landry. And he wants to be the highest-paid guy in that room, which means making more money than Bud Dupree. So they'd have to find a way to make that work. But here's a guy who hasn't missed a game, I believe, in the last three seasons. And obviously, for a team as riddled with injury as the Titans have been this past year, uh, that, that's a huge quality that you just have no guarantee for whoever you bring in. So for a guy that's been available as long as he has and has finally broken through with the production that he had, I'd also be fascinated to see what a pass rush would look like with fully healthy Bud Dupree on the other side for an entire season because he was obviously he never got to that point really till the end. So I'd start with Harold Landry and then uh, and then really looking at the offensive line, I wonder what they do with Ben Jones because I don't know if there was one guy that, you know, th there was more drop off when he wasn't on the field at that particular position. Right. Like the maybe other than quarterback, thankfully for the Titans, they didn't have to find that out last year with Ryan Tannehill. But we we saw it in, in glimpses when Ben Jones wasn't on the field, like it was like one snap 
in the New York Jets game, Aaron Brewer comes in and boom, snaps flying over Ryan Tannehill's head. There's not that many guys that it's that noticeable when they're not on the field. Ben Jones is one of those guys. He is the definition of a Mike Vrabel kind of guy. So if they're going to get rid of somebody along the offensive line, I think I'd be more inclined to believe that Roger Saffold might be on the way out, 34 years old at this point, and Ben Jones finds a way to stick around. But as far as who you're bringing in on the outside, I'm looking straight at the tight end position. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, because I think they have to kind of walk this line here where uh, you're in this window. uh, You're not going to spend a first-round draft pick on a tight end. You're you're not trying to bring in a rookie to help now. You don't see that a lot too, right? Rookie tight ends. Maybe Pat Fryermuth this past season is a good example. Kyle Pitts is a, is a unicorn. That's a whole different deal. But I, I got to go back to like Evan Ingram a few years back as a rookie tight end that came in and made a significant impact right out the gate. So I don't think you bank on that with this class. Uh, and I'm looking at a guy like, like Zach Ertz, you know, that, that would come in at 31 years old and gave the Cardinals a nice boost, a third down option, a chain mover. Uh, and and I, I figure he'd command somewhere in the uh, 7 million range. You know, he, he, he made a five and a half million dollar base salary last year, but uh, had some nice production. I think he he could he could come in and, and up that number a little bit, maybe a one to two year deal. But they have to kind of walk this line of not relying on a rookie in that spot, but you know not breaking the bank in free agency. Like a Dalton Schultz would be a great fit, I feel like for this offense. But you're not going to pay Dalton Schultz. Uh, you're not going to be able to pay the money Dalton Schultz uh, requires in this market. So. Yeah, for as far as outside of the franchise and not looking in-house, uh, I'm looking at Zach Ertz as an option as a veteran who can come in and give this offense a boost. And I was even thinking, too, like, I mean, as of right now, you have no tight ends on, on the roster for next season. They're all free agents. Um, is this a, a year that you sign two free agents that are tight ends? Um, and like you said, Ertz, um, we mentioned Njoku. I even have down here, I mean, guys like O.J. Howard, Hayden Hurst, um, other options. So it'll be interesting to see if they bring back a, a Swain or bring back a, a Ferk, um, and then also sign uh, one of the guys we mentioned as well. CJ Uzoma is one that uh, intrigues me too. He, he's a guy that certainly would not break the bank and had played a huge role in getting the Bengals to the Super Bowl. But yeah, for me, first and foremost, that's the position I look at. I look at this offense as the same way I looked at the defense last year, right? They weren't going to move on from Shane Bowen. They brought in Schwartz to kind of supplement him in that room. Well, they did the same thing on offense. Todd Downing's not going anywhere. They bring in Tim Kelly, and then they're going to bring in some pieces to kind of retool and see if they can't get both going at the same time. And I think tight end is, is going to be one of the key pieces of that. Brett, before you go, I want to ask Lucas this, because I know you you talk about it a lot on the show with Buck. Um, and you mentioned O-line um, and starting there with Ben Jones, Saffold, and Lawan. I want to get your take on Taylor Lawan. Do you think he's back next season? Um, I, my gut tells me he is, uh, you know, I think they're gonna, they're gonna definitely move some pieces around on the offensive line. But if I had to guess between Taylor Lewan and Roger Saffold of who would be gone last year, I think I would lean towards Saffold. I really would. Um, Lewan's obviously expressed. He's come out and said he wants to be a Titan. He believes he will be a Titan. Doesn't want to put on another Jersey. If he's not a Titan, all that, none of that really matters when it comes down to, to figuring out what's best for this team financially. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think he's back next season. I, I do. I, I don't know what it is. I, maybe it's just a gut feeling, which isn't very analytical of me. Right. But uh, no, between just looking at, I think him and Roger Saffold are going to be broken up this year, right? Uh, with the run left mantra. And they've obviously had so much success running the ball in that direction. But if you had to pick one of those guys to go, I think it's going to be Saffold. I think it's going to be the guy who 
you know, to his credit, played through so much, but ended up on one knee uh, the almost every single game, week in and week out throughout the year. And I know Lawan's had his health issues, but when fully healthy, uh, the, the Titans, I think, and, and when putting up with maybe some of his off-field stuff, uh, I think Taylor Lawan still is one of the better left tackles in the NFL. I really do when he's healthy. So, uh, so I, I think he sticks around. I think so, too. Brett, who are your uh, three guys? I think you guys kind of hit it on the head, too, because I had to pop off and hop back on for a second. But I, my first thing was the tight end as well. And I was looking at – because I wasn't sure how much money some of the guys like Dalton Schultz and Mike Gusecki would command. Same thing with C.J. Uzoma. Lucas, you put in a good point with, with Zach Ertz and being a little bit older guy, the veteran guy that would probably be good for Ryan Tannehill. Uh, if for some reason the Titans did move away from somebody like Ben Jones, it, it kind of makes me wonder what somebody like Ryan Jensen from Tampa Bay – uh, what he would be like if he'd be somebody that'd be interested in coming to Nashville, what he would cost in Nashville. Again, it's another guy that you know that you c- can get the job done. Uh, would be a good feeling for Ben Jones if for some reason you didn't move away from him. And then that th- third receiver that the Titans have been looking for for a little bit now, I'm kind of with you, Austin, with the Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, something on that line. It doesn't have to be somebody with like the name of Juju, but somebody with that style of production. Uh, I mean, obviously more than Taewon Taylor, but like that smaller speed guy that they've been looking for. They tried it with Cameron Batson and then some of these other guys. Westbrook Akeen has been a really good guy. Um, it's just the question is if they want him to be the third guy or if they feel more comfortable with him being the, the fourth-ish type receiver on that offense. And there's, like you said, bro, there's some other guys out there in the free agency. I, I saw Cedric Wilson from the Cowboys, even Michael Gallup. I don't know what kind of a contract he, he'd be wanting coming off an injury. Uh, but do they go the vet route or they go the rookie route and 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 kind of draft the first round receiver uh, to deep receiver class? And we'll get in that in, in later podcast. But um, it's an interesting question. We'll see. Um, I also want to talk to y'all about the the running back position, and I know it's not a position that we named in in, in going around here, but. A guy like Deontay Foreman, we talk about in-house. Do you bring a guy like him back? You run it back with Hilliard as well. Um, I think RB2 is is, in, is up for air, up for air, up for question right now. Um, because does Darrington Evans actually love football? Does he want to play Madden all day? Or does he actually want to play uh, play football? He hasn't seen a whole lot of production from him. So I think that's another another thing John Robinson may have to address this offseason. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, you know, I've said before, I think I think Foreman is probably going to get a, a legit shot somewhere. Uh, I think he earned it. Um, but if he's a guy you can bring back, I think you do it in a heartbeat. Uh, Darrington is a is a major concern. I mean, the the question marks around him, the the lack of of st- stable health that he's had. Um, yeah, you've got to do something. Hilliard Hilliard's a piece that, that I think should be back one hundred percent. He he's a hard worker. Uh, he, he just runs the ball really well compared to some of the other backs that have been here over the last couple of years. So we'd love to see him back in the backfield. I, I would be totally comfortable with that being the one, two, three, with McNichols being gone, with Darrington Evans being gone. We've mentioned that a couple of times. And I think the majority of the fan base and a lot of people would be comfortable with that too. Um, I, I do think that Deontay might get another shot somewhere else. If you bring Dontrell back, even if he's the two guy, I mean, it could maybe work. I don't know if he is the two guy, but I mean, Lucas, when you take a look at it, because, I mean, I know you're sitting there with the scoreboard operator every single Sunday. When you're watching the games, how do you kind of view that that running back core? And, I mean, do you think those those guys could come back as the one, two, three? Um, well, talking about Darrington Evans, the last time we heard from Mike Vrabel about Darrington Evans was when he was asked, I think by Kayla Anderson of News 2, about what, what he had seen from Darrington in his recovery and, and making his way back, something, something to that effect. And Vrabel, one of Vrabel's, you know, curt, abrupt, not enough. 
not enough. And that was towards the end of the season. I, I really don't think that they're happy with what they have right now in Darrington Evans. Uh, obviously, the availability has been next to none. And uh, and whatever's going on there, you know, I can't I cannot speak to to what the issue is mentally or anything like that. Absorbing the playbook, I have no idea. I, I just you get the gut feeling that they are just not happy with where uh, where, where where that situation's at. So I I very well could see Dontrell Hilliard coming back as that change of pace. But I wonder how much of this also it, it revolves around what you see out of this offense schematically this season. You brought in a passing game coordinator in Tim Kelly. Uh, you know. With Derrick Henry missing all that time, as strange as it's weird to say this, Derrick Henry is is the best player on the Titans, right? Like he is the Titans' best player uh, offensively. Uh, I I don't know that he's the Titans' most valuable player on offense. Uh, when you saw the drop off when Derrick Henry's not on the field in the rushing attack, there honestly wasn't that much of one, and they really were able to find their groove there, especially late in the season and the push to get the one seed. Compare that with the drop-off you saw when A.J. Brown's not on the field. Uh, it was immense. It was huge. I wonder how much that's kind of playing a role in their minds and bringing in Tim Kelly to be a more pass-heavy offense to target A.J. Brown far more than they have been, especially in crunch time situations in the postseason, and how much that affects personnel decisions, uh, like having a very heavy stable of running backs. They're still going to run the football. Like, Vrabel's still going to wear the run-the-damn-ball hat. Uh, they're they're going to do all those things that they've built their offense around. Uh, but I do wonder how much that kind of factors into the equation when it comes to personnel. But I do, I would, ex I'd expect to see Dontrell Hilliard back in the fold. I don't know about Deontay Foreman. Lucas, I'd be remiss if I uh, didn't interrupt the Titans talk for a minute and talk a little Nashville SC with you. Sure. Uh, love to hear your thoughts on, on the roster as constructed and, and, you know, the, the pieces they brought in, uh, obviously Sean Davis, but, you know, Loba is effectively a new player this season based on his lack of lack of play last season. Love to hear your thoughts on, on what they're putting on the field this year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, their first eight games are on the road before they finally get back home to open up this new stadium on May 1st. So, and they're in a, in a new conference. They go from the Eastern conference to the Western conference. They're going up to play Seattle for the first time ever. So there's a lot of, a lot of new things happening for this club this season but personnel wise as far as the foundation the spine that's all pretty much the same as what you saw at the end of last year uh so uh I, this is a huge season for Ake Loba Chris because I I think you're going to see some drop off from CJ Sapong who really popped off last year I don't think anybody expected that output from a veteran kind of journeyman striker who's had a great career but man he, he really gave this team a boost when when they didn't get it from their record transfer signing in Ake Loba but with the full preseason under his belt and Loba and Sapong kind of able to buzz around Honey Mukhtar a little bit with Mukhtar still as the driving force and just the foundation all the way through is still very much intact with the exception of an Alistair Johnson out the door. It's still the two-time MLS defender of the year in Walker Zimmerman uh, alongside, uh, alongside Ramsey. It's still Dax McCarty and Anibal Godoy commanding the midfield with Sean Davis now as a boost. You've got added depth in the attack and Teal Bunbury, who they grabbed from the New England Revolution. So uh, it's interesting to see how they've kind of in, grabbed some pieces, but have kept the exact same foundation, which is really important because it's a lot of new things happening for this club, a lot of uncharted territory. Uh, but I think the expectation should 1000% be building off of what they were able to do each of the last two years. They, they reached the conference semifinals each of the last two seasons. Uh, to me, every season is about building off what you did before. And if you don't reach that mark that you hit the year before, the year before that, then to me, that's a disappointment. Uh, that's not a success. So I, I think that that's the expectation for this team. Uh, 
around and in that locker room. But I, I expect them to kind of pick up where they left off, to be honest. Do you think Gary goes up, goes ahead on um, on Sunday against Seattle and rips the Band-Aid off and, and puts Dax uh, on the bench for, for Sean Davis starting? I don't know. I, I think that would be kind of unlike Gary. Uh, you know, we, Gary doesn't exactly – he's not exactly going to throw guys into the fire very quickly. We learned that with Ake Loba. I think that produced a lot of frustration last year that they didn't kind of let him loose. Uh, we might see that with Loba this year now that he finally has a full preseason under his belt. But, no, with how important Dax is, to be honest with you, I, I expect Dax to be wearing the captain's band uh, in Seattle. But, but we'll see how Sean Davis kind of starts to phase in because Dax did deal with, a, you know, a couple knocks here and there throughout the season. Uh, he's, he's not getting any younger. Obviously, him and Godoy just getting kind of deeper into their 30s. A great still, I think, one of the better double pivots in MOS in that defensive midfield. But, uh, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see at what rate Sean Davis is incorporated into the lineup when you look at Gary's recent past of being, you know, kind of hesitant to just let guys loose uh, as soon as they come into the fold. All right, last, last NSC question. Um, prediction, how many goals do you think we see Hani end up with this season? Oh, man. Um, you know, I think he, he had 16 last year, 16 goals, 10 assists. Um, I think he's in the conversation for the golden boot at the end of the year. I think he ups that because, because I, I, like I said, I don't know that you get that production from CJ Sapong. Uh, Ake Loba, sort of the wild card in all of this. How much is he going to be able to produce for, for Hani to kind of lean on? But I'm going to go in that 18, 19 range. You know, at this point, he's a bona fide star in this league. He's a preseason MVP candidate without question. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm going to go in that 18, 19 range, sort of build off what he did last season. Love it. Awesome. Let's hop back into some Titans talk. <laughs> I, I was letting I do your thing, man. I was, a I brief was intermission there. I like. That. I was actually yeah, amazed, Lucas. Love I'm it. not the. I'm not the. I've never been the biggest soccer guy growing up and and watching it, following it. So these guys are. So I always have to kind of just take the the back seat to listen to you guys talk soccer. But <laughs> I, I enjoyed I, it. Trust me, I get it. I'm trying to get more involved, especially with the National SC team. I would love to. I never went to a game at Nissan Stadium. I would love to to go to the uh, the new stadium. Have we have we got a new uh, name for the stadium yet? Has that came out yet? Uh, No, not that I know of, to be honest with you. May 1st is the opening date. They're taking on Philadelphia Union. I'm sure there'll be some sort of uh, unveiling, uh, but no, not that I know of. Very cool. I kind of want to keep the stadium talk going with with recent news about the Titans not only, you know, making upgrades to Nissan Stadium, but possibly getting an entirely new stadium in itself, which has kind of been – a change of pace than what it has been before. Um, it's kind of just been upgrades and they'll, they'll kind of just build off of what they have now. But now it's, there's like a realistic talk that the Titans could actually have a new stadium, which would be insane. So I kind of want to dive in there and just kind of get y'all's thoughts and, and what you really think. What would you like to see in a new stadium? What would it be like? And, and kind of what that would mean for Nashville as a whole and, and the Titans itself. And I kind of just think about stadiums, that we've seen probably the last two decades. It kind of starts with me with, with uh, AT&T Stadium, you know, Jerry World. That's kind of the, the, the big one. And then you've kind of had uh, the new MetLife Stadium. Uh, and then you've had in the last re- couple of years, uh, Hard Rock. Um, U.S. Bank, Minnesota. Yeah, that one. Uh, SoFi, obviously. And then uh, the, the Raiders' new stadium out there in Vegas. And you kind of take pieces from each one, like, man, I would love to have this, and I would love to have that. There's so many things that that I think the Titans could could do and, and make their stadium one of the, the best in the league, but it would be so cool to finally get a dome. I think that's what we all want, a retractable roof in the, in the slightest. Um, so 
Chris, what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I mean, you're right. It starts with 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 a dome or or some kind of open open roof concept. Um, would love to still uh, have grass, but you know, with with a dome that that kind of goes out the window, unless they can build some kind of uh, retractable field system that we've seen some stadiums do over the years. But um, the Cardinals you know, have had grass, right? Yeah. The, yeah, the Cardinals do, uh, and it is really impressive system that they have to move it outside of the stadium and all that. Right. Um, but you know, it's, it's I just I I like the intimate vibe uh, of a of a stadium. So you know, something I don't I don't want a you know eighty thousand seat stadium. I think cutting it down on size and providing a more more intimate atmosphere I think is really important, especially in today's climate, um, and and, you know, just creating a place that the Titans can call their own. Um, you know, Nissan at, Nissan in the early days, you know, everything kind of felt it was like branded in relation like the Adelphia Coliseum. It felt like uh, everything was kind of Titans related. I, I would just love to see that kind of atmosphere come back where it's uh, it feels like the Titans uh, uh, stadium. I guess I'll go ahead, Brett. Oh, I was just I think I think the retractable roof is the way to go. Um, I think the majority of football fans that I've seen, at least on social media, like that, the outdoor part of the football game. But I think for the bad weather games, you can obviously you can close the roof. But even more for that, I mean, you're talking Final Fours, uh, you're talking Super Bowl, you're talking pretty much any event that you want to have come to Nashville would then come to Nashville because that's the one thing you're missing other than Bridgestone Arena is that that massive entertainment kind of district that you can throw everything in and like like everybody said if you get a new stadium you're pretty much going to get a Super Bowl Nashville's always been on that cusp of you know is it too cold is it just just enough bad weather well I mean if I mean I would assume on Saturday that the the hockey game at Nissan Stadium is going to go fantastic you build a new stadium with the retractable roof you're going to get the Super Bowl you're going to get the final four so uh, for me that's the way to go 100%. So what what do you do Lucas do you do you tear down Nissan Stadium do you do you buy out the PSC Metals lot I mean where does a new stadium logically go? Yeah well that's the the big question right now it's look the the thing with this is there's no middle ground, right? I mean, it's either it's either you just tear down and, and, and start from scratch or you basically stick with what you got, make some uh, tweaks here and there. And with, you know, you don't want to be, you don't want to fall more behind than you are in the coming years. So they may come down to their only option being the latter because uh, they found out that renovations, I mean, the cost of renovations at that point, it just, it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, they were double, triple what they thought they might be. So you just build a new stadium and, uh, the, the PSC medals thing is, is interesting because, you know, that, that group has all the leverage in the world, uh, every, everything that they want. So I, I don't know what goes into that, uh, as far as obtaining that land, nobody really knows, but you got a bunch of parking lot space next to Nissan stadium. Do you try and build something there and then tear it down, tear down Nissan stadium once it's built, making parking miserable for years, uh, you know, I, I, to be honest, I have no idea like that. That's, that's where we're at with this. Like, I truly don't know. You figure they gotta, they gotta find out a way to, to work with PSC metals and give them what they want to obtain that land. But it's just not that simple, right? Like that's, that's such a huge source of jobs and resources in middle Tennessee. Like it's not, you know, I hear it referred to all the time as like a junkyard of just scrap metal. Like it's, it's not that it, it is a massive company that's really important to the economy of Tennessee. So uh, they have so much more leverage than people think. So that is like first and foremost, 
the issue the Titans got to deal with. I, I have no idea what they're going to do. That's what's fascinating about this. It's like either keep it as is because it, it doesn't make sense to renovate a stadium that's so outdated or you start from scratch. And, and the latter is what you need to do, but that's a much, much, much more difficult proposition. So uh, they've got quite a challenge on their hands in figuring this thing out. I'm going to be honest. I'm glad I'm not the one you know, that, that's part of the task force to deal with this because I truly have no idea how, how they're going to be able to, to, to do this uh, with PSC medals and, and everything that kind of goes into that. I think it's, it, it says a lot now that talking about, you know, the, the city of Nashville's talking about it, you know, uh, John Cooper's talking about it more. The Titans have said more about it. So I think they're, they're trying to make some, some headway on it. But again, like you said, Lucas, where does it go? How's it happen? I've thought about, you know, you put it out kind of in, in the in the Lebanon area where the National Super Speedway is, because it's where can you really put it in Nashville? There's not a whole lot of spots. Um, kind of like how MetLife Stadium is not actually in New York. SoFi Stadium is not actually in L.A., so on and so forth. There's other stadiums like that, too. Um, but I think logically putting it downtown makes the most sense. Um, I think with the new stadium, you want to attract a younger crowd. Um, you want to have the the restaurants, the bars, that kind of vibe outside the stadium and build that kind of like the battery down in Atlanta, um, the massive TVs outside the stadium uh, for people to come and watch the game if they're not inside the game. Having things for, for you know, fun family events around the stadium is, is going to be important um, and it's an attraction that they have to, have to accommodate, in my opinion. Um, there's many things I think you can do to it and around it. But I think attracting that, that younger crown crowd, um, you know, they may not have the money now, but they will one day. I think you, you attract them. They'll be your season ticket holders for years to come. Um, you know, what's the, the raise them young motto. So there's a lot of things you can do kind of like model, like ballpark village um, out in uh, St. Louis for the Cardinals, or, or uh, I don't know if you guys have been to Dallas. Uh, there's a Texas live right outside AT&T stadium. It's a very cool spot. Um, or even something like Wrigleyville. Uh, I think there's a lot of things you can do around it. And, and Nashville's a trendy place, and there's a lot of things you can do around that like that. So just there's a lot of options, I think. The, the location, I think, is going to be is big for them to, to keep yeah. it where it is, uh, right there on the banks of the Cumberland overlooking the Nashville skyline, like <laughs> as Leo enters the chat. Uh, like the Amy Adams Strunk has maintained for years now that like they don't want to build a new stadium. They're fine with Nissan Stadium, right? Like this conversation just got sprung on us. So uh, I, I think part of the reason why they didn't want to build a new stadium is the location of Nissan Stadium. I don't think that part they want to change if they can help it. So if what do you think, like if the Titans say they decide to go ahead and build that brand new stadium and they say they have to play somewhere else for two years or so, do they do they pull what the Chargers did and go play at NSC's new stadium? Do they go to Vandy for a season? What's the, the most realistic option, do you think, if they decide to build the new stadium? I, I couldn't see something like that happening uh, because then, then you're, it feels like you're throwing things back to the, you know, like the late nineties uh, when they were playing at Vanderbilt stadium and at the Liberty bowl. And, uh, you know, that was a whole process of just trying to get a community. Like, Hey, we have an NFL team now go support them. I know that I work with Blaine Bishop every day and he talks a lot about uh, that season where they played at the Liberty bowl. It just, I mean, next to zero fans uh, out at those games. I don't think they don't want that. This, this franchise has so much momentum right now uh, on and off the field. Nashville as a city has so much momentum. I don't think they want to set that back uh, by going the San Diego chargers route of playing in a soccer stadium. In the meantime of 30,000 people 
uh, as the as SoFi Stadium gets built. Now, I think I think they're going to be in Nissan Stadium until their new home is open and, and ready to go. Well, you could go Chris's route of having a more intimate uh, location and move it inside Bridgestone Arena, kind of like the Nashville Cats did back in the day with like 18,000 fans there. It'd be kind of cool. Um, have we picked our uh, our USFL teams? Uh, Birmingham all the way from me. Okay. That's where, I, that's where I went to school. And that's the hometown of Lucas. So I don't know if he's a Birmingham fan or not, but it's Birmingham for me. Yeah, I guess I have not uh, I have not decided my allegiance. Uh, obviously, uh, I'll be keeping up with the Michigan Panthers with Jeff yeah. Fisher, uh, Shea Patterson at quarterback. Uh, I'll certainly be keeping up with the Stallions, right? The Birmingham Stallions, I think is their name. Skip Holtz is the head coach. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's I, not it's not Jeremy Pruitt. It's not Jeremy <laughs> Pruitt. Yeah, we got got today on the show uh, by a fake Twitter account. Um no, I don't know, man. I, I'll probably just want to sit back and watch. I'm, I've never been one to be able to latch on yeah. uh, and pick a team. You know what I mean? Like I've never, I've never been able to wake up and say, okay, this is my team. I'm going to root for them. And then actually like feel something for it and be able to invest emotionally or, or otherwise. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm just going to enjoy kind of sitting back and watching it. Hopefully get out to a couple games. Every game is going to be played in Birmingham. So whenever I go back home to see the girlfriend, see the family, I'll, I'll probably check out a game or two. Uh, it'll be interesting, though. I haven't been in that new stadium, Protective Stadium, where UAB is playing its games. Uh, I hear it's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think it's going to be very fascinating uh, the way that they've been doing this. Uh, I, I'm actually intrigued. I'm more intrigued by the USFL than I am than I was by the XFL or the AAF in the last couple of years. Yeah, and I'm right there with Lucas. I have a hard time watching all the teams unless it's like an organic thing. Like, yeah. obviously, Nashville SC coming here, that was easy – uh, that that kind of organic thing, but I mean, Michigan. I was kind of following Michigan uh, in the draft yesterday. I was texting you guys about it. Who was Fisher going to take number one overall and stuff? And uh, I'll, I'll follow them, obviously, because of Fisher. But yeah, I'm not going to make a decision on a team just yet. It's hard to to kind of get excited about all this because it's how long is it going to last? Is it a one year thing? I remember the the XFL. Uh, I got on board with the Dallas Renegades for whatever reason. I don't know why, but I did. Like a, a group of buddies and we kind of just in our group message said what are we doing and so we all picked the renegades but um i think if you like go look at their twitter page they haven't tweeted since like 2019 2020 yeah. like they're just uh-huh. not even a thing anymore um yeah so i'll watch it's going to be entertaining i think and it's, it's kind of feel like it's kind of hard to 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 back because there's a, so many guys that you've never heard of before uh, from from juco's and d3s and d2s and then you have your shea patterson's and your jordan thomas and things like that um, so it'll be fun to watch. And your Jeff. Don't forget about your Taewon Taylors too. Yeah, one hundred percent. And Paxton Lynch was a twelfth round pick. He's going to back up Shea Patterson from Michigan. So. A twelfth round pick in the former first round, first round NFL <laughs> draft pick to twelfth round USFL. Pat yeah. Paxton Lynch and and um, I'm sorry, I forgot his name. The other uh, Brady White is that it? The other Memphis quarterback. They went back wow. to back. Wow. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Um. Let's see here. All right, last thing, and I do want to get out of here after this. I know, Lucas, you have somewhere to be, man, so we'll get you out of here too. No, you're good. Um, we'll kind of fast forward to the draft a little bit, but I, I just want to kind of get your thoughts. Uh, I wrote this in, in a joking way, but uh, what is the one position that you, will make you slit your wrists if John Robinson drafts them on draft night? Oh. Uh. I mean, I almost want to yeah. say offensive tackle just because of the last two drafts. But it's a need. Um, it's a need. It's a, though. It's it's a, a thing. need. It's a thing. 
Yeah, and that that's kind of why I'm hesitant to say that. I mean, I mean, we all talk about tight, maybe tight end just because everybody says yeah. that everybody says that there's so much depth at this tight end position in this group, but none of them are necessarily a mid first round pick. Like Trey McBride is probably going to be the first tight end taken off the board, but a lot of people are saying early second round, maybe late first, but. Uh, because of the the depth of tight end and free agency and in the draft too, there's not necessarily a need to go after that in the first round. I think you're right. I think, and, and kind of going back on what Lucas said earlier, it, there's a unicorn in, in uh, Kyle Pitts, and then you've had your um, Eric E. Bronze and, and uh, guys like that throughout the years. But history tells you that tight ends are usually, you know, your bread and butter in the later rounds, third, fourth, fifth rounds. I sent you guys a text a few weeks back about, you know, Kelsey and, and other guys that have been drafted. Kittle have been drafted in the later rounds. So I'd be shocked if they go first round tight end. And like, that'd be, like you said, bro, that'd be a position that made me slip my wrist. <laughs> I'd probably go linebacker. If they go linebacker, I'd be hot. Um, I think you have to find a way to bring Zach Cunningham back, and then you have your other piece in David Long. So linebacker would be one. I just think first-round wide receiver makes the absolute most sense for this team. Um, in 2023, you're going to have to find an, another wide receiver, a true wide receiver, too, after Julio Jones leaves. Um, this could be the draft, the deep wide receiver class that you find that that guy in. Uh, and there's so many, you know, guys at the end of that first round that you can, uh, that you can pick from. So uh, wide receiver makes the most sense to me. That's Lucas. the pro- problem with that is uh, of everything we all we just said. Uh, you're right; an offensive tackle would have Titans fans bashing their head against the wall. But of all the positions that you guys just addressed, that might be the biggest need out of all of them. Um, you know, if you can help it, David Quesenberry is not returning as your starting right tackle. We we've seen enough to know that Dylan Radens uh, is not a starting right tackle right now in the NFL, regardless of whether or not if that's what he was drafted to do. That man is a guard, and that's what he's going to be this season. He did not show any glimpses of being able to play on the outside. You could argue that's this team's biggest need out of all those positions, at, at wide receiver, inside linebacker, which is something they're going to have to address at some point with Rashawn Evans probably out the door and depending on what they do with Zach Cunningham. Uh, but it just might be offensive tackle. I, I'm with, I am with you guys, though, that it, can't, it, it shouldn't be tight end, uh, especially in this window that you're in now, what this team demands out of a tight end as far as blocking goes within this offense. Uh, yeah, to, to grab a rookie and expect him to contribute a uh, first-round rookie. And then also take into the fact you don't have a second-round pick. Uh, so you got to really address a position of need. No luxury picks in the first round for the Titans. It has to be a position of need. And we'll see. There's a long way to go, the combine, pro days, all that stuff. But right now, I think offensive tackle might be the biggest need out of all of those that we just mentioned. Yep, I think so as well. So it'll be interesting. Uh, we'll see, you know, as the combine comes up and, and they kind of make their decisions. And I think it's going to matter too uh, after free agency and you kind of address that position. Maybe they get Armstead, like you said, Chris. Maybe they go go get your guy. Yeah. You never know. You never know. Maybe money isn't an issue for them either. They'll Maybe they bring out. Isaiah Wilson back. Just Ho- Hopefully not. I'm surprised he didn't get is he, Has offensive lineman been drafted yet for the USFL? Is he eligible? Good question. Doubt it. He's not under contract in the NFL anymore. No chance is he ever getting drafted by anybody again. Um, Well, Lucas, we appreciate your time, man. Hopping on tonight. Um, Continue to do great work for 104.5 The Zone. You got a you got a a good buck story, embarrassing buck story. You in in this week? Uh, Um, I'm trying to think. Well, I mean, today uh, he sends me that DM this morning 
of, uh, you know, Jeremy Pruitt, the next head coach of the Birmingham Stallions. And, I, and I'm laughing uh, because I, I, I also did not do my background check. Uh, and so we so we kind of and I get get there, I get on my computer because Buck and Buck retweeted it. So I had a buddy text me. It was like, hey, you know, that's a fake account. So I, I texted Buck and said, all right, you got got we got to this is our show open now. And then and then I'm like, and then we're talking on the phone doing our show prep. And I'm like, OK, yeah, the, the real head coach of the Birmingham Stallions is Gene Chizik. Because when you Google head coach of the Birmingham Stallions, the first name that comes up is Gene Chizik. And I'm the <laughs> idiot that did not dive any deeper <laughs> to say, oh, yeah, 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 Gene Chizik's the head coach of the Birmingham Stallions. So we go on air with that uh, before uh, understanding that, no, Gene Chizik is the defensive coordinator of the North Carolina Tar Heels and that Skip Holtz is the head coach of the Birmingham Stallions. So uh, I guess just be careful on the internet. Getting God is 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 uh, common these days. I've, I've got the best of us. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Yeah. It happens quite a bit, man. Twitter's a crazy place uh, these days too. So um, before we get out of here, make sure you get us on Twitter at Second and Victory. Um, you can always find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe and uh, leave a review. We appreciate it. You listening as always. Uh, for Chris Carter, for Brett Basher, for Lucas Panzeca. My name is Austin Nelson. We appreciate you listening. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.